Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. This is the State of California. Doug Sovereign is away. Today, we are joined by political scientist from Sonoma State University, Dr. David McEwen. Last week, after an offshore oil pipeline crack leaked more than 126,000 gallons into coastal waters and beaches in Southern California, attention turned to cleanup and mitigation of the oily goo. The spill also turned attention to the difficult balance between coastal protection and oil production off the coast of California. Professor, uh, set the context for us today. How do this most recent oil spill, offshore coastal protection, and water I'll mix into the politics of California today. Well, good afternoon, Jeff and Patty. And as you think about what has happened down south, but but also what happens offshore all the time, and you think about California's had half a dozen sizable oil spills since 1969, three areas, two in Santa Barbara, two in the Huntington Beach area, like we saw last week, two here in San Francisco Bay. There have been attempts to strengthen these types of protections, but it runs into a whole host of regulations and difficulties. In 1976, voters uh, had the 1976 Coastal Act established the Coastal Commission. But what happens in terms of that California Coastal Commission and the degree to which they can influence offshore oil uh, production, what's happening on the beaches, access to the beaches, all of that is left open to question. So today's guest can enlighten us in light of recent legislation that's passed and also what's happening on the Coastal Commission, especially in light of what happened last week off of Huntington Beach. We are going to bring that guest on right now. We're going to turn to the KCBS Ring Central Newsline and talk with Sarah Amanzada, Vice President of Partnerships at U.S. Water Alliance and member of the California Coastal Commission. Thank you very much for talking to us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. What do you see as the challenges for finding the right balance between protecting our coast and managing a strong economy? Well, I think luckily for us in California, it's one and the same. Protecting our coast is the way that we maintain a strong economy. Um, You know, our ocean economy, so to speak, in California produces $54 billion, um, whereas oil production represents a tiny fraction of a percentage. So um, protecting our coast is the way that we manage a strong economy. They're one and the same. Sarah, as we examine kind of what happened last week and and think about developments offshore, part of the difficulty, right, is that California only goes so so far, the jurisdiction falls into the federal government. So to 
Do the governor and the legislature, are they able to do anything? Is the Coastal Commission able to do anything about a statewide ban, or do we really have to look to Washington, D.C. to solve this issue of balance and how we move forward? Yeah, I'd say a couple of things there. First, you know, when we saw the Trump administration try and re-energize attempts for offshore drilling, we saw very strong uh, pushback from our federal representatives, Congressman Huffman, Congressman Thompson, um, who I actually joined at a offshore oil drilling uh, panel here in Marin um, in 2019. So we have very strong federal leadership on this from our governor as well. I'd also say that there's really no such thing as purely offshore oil drilling because all of the oil reaches the shore through either a pipe or a ship. So we do have quite a bit of control over the uh, infrastructure along our coast, whether that be for um, oil terminals, piers, um, or the other infrastructure. So that, you know, we we do have a, a large degree of authority. So I understand that the commission is set to meet later this week, and a lot of issues of zoning and coastal land use will be on the agenda. To what degree do you think this uh, most recent spill will factor into the discussion about things moving forward? I think it'll factor in heavily. You know, the Coastal Act and the Coastal Commission provide a primary platform for the public to weigh in, to say how they're feeling, to say how they've been impacted by issues. And we can certainly expect and have already received a huge outcry from the public about how their public access has been impacted, how the environment, how the fisheries down there have been impacted. So we are receiving, you know, sort of official briefings from our agency partners, but we're really, um, you know, a listening forum for the public to hear about how this spills like this impact them and how we can take action moving forward. So these high-profile events tend to elicit, you know, more calls for a statewide ban on drilling. But this this particular incident uh, dealt with aging infrastructure, stuff that's already there that's getting old. So is in, in your mind, is there adequate protection there? Is enough being done in that area? I don't think enough is done. There's been quite a lot of action to prevent new leases for drilling and new exploration, but there hasn't been swift enough action to uh, decommission and and phase out existing infrastructure. And that's where we need to focus our attention. And this bill really exemplifies that. There's There's no reason in 2021 in California when we have readily available, inexpensive solar and wind energy to be continuing to drill oil. There's just no reason for it. Sarah, one additional area there is also what happens with desalinization of water and seawater for use inland. And what's the role of the commission, in your view, you think, on desal plants and and how to deal with the state's drought as an example of this aging infrastructure problem? Yeah, well, we certainly are in a position to review and consider uh, any kind of industrial facility um, that would be built or renovated along the coast. And, of course, that does include desalination plants. When we look at any water supply, and I'm saying this just as a personal citizen, not on behalf of the agency, we want to look at how expensive it is, the degree to which it either perpetuates climate change or helps us adapt to climate change, and then what is the what are the benefits that it confers to the local communities? Um, is it purely providing a water supply or is it offering other benefits as well? And so I look at desalination in addition to wastewater recycling and stormwater capture through that lens of, you know, what's the cheapest, most environmentally beneficial and community beneficial water supply source 
that we can bring in a given situation. Um, the Coastal Commission's purview for desalination is, of course, focused on the coastal and ocean impacts of that facility. So I'm taking off my Coastal Commission hat slightly or maybe just tipping it to, to offer sort of two viewpoints on that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We have been speaking with California Coastal Commissioner Sarah Amazada. She's vice president of partnerships at the U.S. Water Alliance and a member of the California Coastal Commission. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It is also available at kcbsradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.